Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I have a little bit of a confession to make today. My intros to my podcast recently, they have kind of sucked. And maybe you haven't noticed, but in listening back to the episodes, I certainly have. Here's why. I have not been doing what I love doing most. In my intros, I love sharing stories. I love sharing anecdotes of life. And I love just having a little bit of fun, just you and me, before we get into the episode with my guests. And lately, I've noticed that in the nature of time, also maybe not wanting to scare you off, and just like other stuff, um, I haven't been really happy with the way that I have done my intros because I haven't been doing what I love. I listened back to one recently and I was like, Emily, 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 we need to get back to our proper introductions. So here it is. It's an actual back to the true Emily Aborn style introduction. And I just want to say, if this is your first time listening, Hi, hello, welcome here. I am so thrilled that you're here. And in case you don't know me, my name is Emily Aborn. I'm the owner and founder of She Built This, which is this podcast. And it's also a vibrant community of women entrepreneurs who I think personally are the people you want by your side through the thick and the thin when you're building your business. I've heard many, many, many times over again that being a member of She Built This is the best decision business owners have ever made. So in addition to bringing joy to my heart, I hope that that, uh, that fact alone encourages you to check it out at shebuiltthis.org. And make sure to take a look at the calendar of events over there too while you're there, because we have some great stuff on that there calendar, which I will share more of with you next Wednesday when I do a solo episode. And I always like to remind people, I am truly building uh, my thing right alongside the women in that community. I also have a freelance content writing business, and I help women entrepreneurs show up and share their message through blogs, emails, social media, website copy, all things written. This podcast comes out every Wednesday morning at 3.33 Eastern Standard Time, so make sure you subscribe because you don't want to miss one. And if you're new or kind of just like sort of new here, I always encourage you, go back through some of the old episodes, pick a couple out that are calling your name, and you can retroactively enjoy the party with us. Plus, you'll get to hear some of those sucky intros that I was referring to. Speaking of sucking, I want to tell you about a childhood experience that recently popped into my head. Nowadays, Uh, I don't see many door-to-door salespeople anymore, apart from like people trying to get my vote. uh, But I mean, most people don't dare come up our like ominous looking driveway. And there, there have been a few that come up and try to like convince us to convert to various religions. But I tell you what, they just don't make salespeople like they used to. I think it's mostly like on phone and on Zoom and via email. But when I was a kid, we had salespeople coming over all the time. Blenders, vacuum cleaners, hence the sucking pun, uh, various coupon books, encyclopedias, lots of people trying to convince us of lots of various religions, chocolate bars, and I'm sure there were other things that I just didn't know about, but there were lots of salespeople. And they would always pounce when my dad was at work and my poor tired mom was at her wits end with the four children. She was just trying to ensure stayed fed and clothed. Now, 
I really liked the salespeople. They provided some entertainment for us kids. It was human interaction because, well, we were homeschooled, so enough said. And they put on a little show, which was very entertaining and usually resulted us in getting like a snack from the blender that they brought or a cleaner carpet or something fun like that. And then, of course, my favorite part was all of the attention that we as kids would get because they knew that's how you win over the moms. You tell the kids how well behaved and wonderful they are. Now, I vividly remember two of these salespeople, the Kirby vacuum guy who demonstrated every single hose, feature, button, tube, belt that that vacuum had. He would, he poured coffee grounds, salt, and dirt on our floor and then like magically sucked it all up. And then, of course, he showed us like the filters at the end to demonstrate that we lived in squalor and he had just provided us with his free cleaning service. I don't know what he did, but whatever it was, it worked. We bought that heavy ass vacuum right there on the spot. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a payment plan to be able to afford it because it was like not only a behemoth of a piece of equipment, but it also cost $1,500 for a vacuum. Now, I remember him, and I also remember the encyclopedia lady. She was also awesome. We had these old, tired encyclopedias from my grandparents that I'm pretty sure, like, I read all of them front to back. And then she brought in these snazzy, new, blue ones that she promised us were full of fresh facts, all the latest information at your fingertips. I mean, now we just call that Google, but... um. The, back then, we used encyclopedias. So the pictures in the books were prettier than our other encyclopedias. The text was easier to read, and the table of contents read like a piece of poetry. It was just magical. We were also sold on that on the spot. And I'm pretty sure that my parents still have that vacuum, although they probably don't use that particular vacuum. But I know that they still have those encyclopedias 25 years later and probably by now are finally done paying both of those items off. Um, As an adult, my husband and I purchased a bathtub, which we regret, and also windows, which we love, all through salespeople coming to the house and walking us through similar demonstrations. Now, in their instance, we asked them to come to the house. And I think we had two competing against one another with the windows, but I'm just like naturally inclined when a salesperson is very enthusiastic and I feel inspired by what they're saying. That's where I'm like, yes, sign me up. And my husband, on the other hand, he likes to ask lots and lots of questions and get lots and lots of facts before making his decision. And you'll hear in this episode how I, as a salesperson, uh, have been in multiple positions and I both struggled with and also found ease in handling customers on this whole like energetic spectrum of sales. Now, here's the thing. When I think back on all of these buying and selling experiences, there's only one of those particular salespeople. Now, I've met many others, which we're not getting into now, but only one of those particular salespeople who I felt was a little bit shysty. And I won't tell you which one, but let's just say it also just so happens to correspond with the bathtub that we wish we didn't buy. Oops. I accidentally just told you which one. Anyway, the outcome of each of these salespeople, what they wanted was the same in all of these instances. They wanted us to make a purchase. But each one's approach was totally different and only one of them felt very, very icky to me in the way that many of us think of sales when we think of it. So here's a newsflash and reminder for all of us. 
myself included, we are salespeople. We are salespeople right now. If you are an entrepreneur or a professional, you are definitely one. Even if you're just sharing ideas and opportunities with people, if you're trying to get people on board with something, you have to do some level of selling. So how do you feel when it comes time to sell your products and services. I'm not talking about marketing your products and services. I'm talking about how do you feel when it comes time to sell your products and services? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Does it make you nervous? Do you feel like you just absolutely need this sale or else like all will be lost? There is no magic formula to selling, which is not what this episode is about. And that is despite what anyone on the internet tells you, there's no wrong way. There's no right way to sell. But what is the wrong way is selling in a way that feels inauthentic and icky to you. I am a firm believer that even in our sales process, we can actually nourish ourselves by listening to ourselves. And it's also very nourishing to the person that we're selling to because we are paying attention to them as human beings. And there is nothing more wonderful as a human being than being paid attention to and being listened to deeply. So in this episode, we're going to talk about selling from the mind, heart, and soul with my guest, Lisa Dad. We're going to get into exactly what that means and looks like for you and also how you can start to identify what your unique selling style is so you can come across much more aware, much more aligned, and not feeling like selling is icky. Lisa talks about how to sell with your soul, not a script, and how to bring back that human-to-human connection through the sales process. Lisa has spent 15 years in the competitive industry of corporate healthcare, mastering strategic sales, marketing, and management skills from the world's largest pharmaceutical company. Now she leverages a diagnostic tool called Soul Language and works with innovative leaders to integrate an awareness of who they are at their core into the way that they do business. The success of her process is particular, particularly related to her unique approach to sales training. Soul Sales teaches the art of creating buy-in through the enrolling language of one's natural essence. We also talk about how this information is applicable and valuable for all conversations, all situations, not just when you show up in a sales call, including the way that I've been doing my podcast introductions. So I hope that you will enjoy this conversation with Lisa just as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, Lisa, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hello, Emily. Thanks for having me. Yes, I am excited for this conversation. We all probably know people that struggle in the area of sales or think that they struggle in the area of sales. So hopefully this kind of gives them some clarity of maybe why that's happening. Absolutely. Excited to get um, in. Yeah, me too. Um, so why don't you tell us, like, this is a very uh, interesting approach to sales? Like we all have heard of sales trainers, um, but how did you get into 
this work and tell a little bit more about your journey, what, what that has looked like in coming up with soul sales. And I, and I tried to find this online and I feel like you are the only person doing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look hard enough, maybe there's something else, but uh, it evolved on its own in some ways. And, you know, my journey started years ago um, when I came out of university, I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't get into medical school and I ended up landing a sales job selling to doctors, <laughs> sort of a karmic joke of the universe, maybe. But um, the more they trained me on the way to do sales, it, the more awkward it felt to me. And so every time I tried to follow that method, I, I always ended up being feeling really weird and almost embarrassing myself. And so I sort of re resorted back to the fact that I understood doctors and I understood the medicine. And I went into this place of just trying to connect with them, you know, human to human, soul to soul. I would not have called it that at the time, but that's exactly kind of where I went. So that's where I started years ago. Now, I'm curious to know if you got feedback from like the the people that you were selling to, if they were like, uh, if they were giving you feedback that let you know you were going in the right direction, basically. <laughs> yeah. So uh, here's what happened. I'll give you the moment, the moment when it really struck me because I felt like I was a really bad salesperson because I was not never following what I was supposed to be doing. And so I'd just come back from a sales meeting. I went into this um, really, you know, influential doctor's office and I have this the new marketing tool in front of me and I start going through this thing like they showed me in the meeting. <laughs> and he literally said, I'm going to stop you right there. Oh my God. <laughs> it was awful. And you know, what was most awful about it was I knew it wasn't me. I'm like, this isn't me. And so now he's giving me feedback on how horrible I'm being and I'm not even being me. And so I really wanted to say, yeah, that wasn't good for me either. <laughs> so. Yeah. And how many of us are trying to do that where we find this script or we have to read somebody else's script and fit ourselves into this kind of like mold um, and it really just doesn't come natural for us. And the person on the other end can totally feel that. They can. And I feel like I used to think I had this like out of, out of body experience during the call where there was my real self was kind of floating over top of me saying, what are you doing? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty common that we get into this place because for two reasons. I mean, a lot of times people will say, I don't want to be salesy or pushy or manipulative. And I always think if you're worried about that, then that's not really your problem. However, not having the skill set or even the perspective on how it could be done differently makes us more awkward and unskilled than it is really um, a true circumstance of like pushiness and salesiness, if you will. When you said that's not your problem, uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, so anybody who really doesn't care about the other person, doesn't care how it feels for the other person, and really just wants to get sales at any cost, is not stopping to worry whether or not they're coming across pushy. <laughs> so anybody who comes to me and says, Lisa, I really don't want to be overly salesy and pushy, I'm like, or manipulative, or, and I say, well, okay, first of all, let, let, let's let go of that fear, because it's not in you if you're really worried about that. That doesn't mean that you're not going to come across really awkward <laughs> and it's not going to feel icky to you. It's just like release the energy of the fact that you're going to do harm to somebody else. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Um, let's let's talk about some of the things that you hear in opposition of people 
undergoing sales training. And maybe it is just that. Maybe it is just that they don't want to come across as pushy or icky. But do you hear anything else where people are like, uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about sales because of this? Yeah, I think um, for me, what's in opposition of the way I do sales is that most traditional sales programs and trainings teach everybody to do it the same way. Even if they're um, acknowledging that you might have different buyers and you want to approach different buyers differently, they, they usually only have one approach for all the salespeople. It, it's very rare to say, you know what, that's not your energy. Someone will say, Lisa, I wish I was more enthusiastic and outgoing like you. And I'm like, you don't have to be in order to be great. And if you pretend to be or try to be, it probably will not come across well. Okay, so let's let's talk about those differences and break them down. Um, I know that you speak to seven different archetypes, and I'd love to help the listeners start to identify themselves in some of those. So first, I, my first question is, where do we establish this soul language, this um, the the type that we are naturally inclined to to be? Yeah, yeah. So you bring your own soul energy to this lifetime. You show up with it. Um, we're using it, the archetype specifically. I'm using the archetype specifically to help people in sales and grow their business. It, you're, but this energy is not different in anything else that you do in your life. So the same soul energy that you would bring to business is the same soul energy you'd bring to relationships or to friends or family because you were born with it. It's like your soul wants to grow and develop and it chooses these energies to, I call it playing, to play with. Um it have an experience to grow and develop. So that's the first thing you know is that you you come to this lifetime with it. Okay. So if it came if it came with us, if it came with the territory, wow. um, then how do we start to kind of like determine what that would be for us? Like how do we learn what that language is? Yeah. So for me, it's also I want to say to everyone out there is that it's really a remembering, a rediscovering, um, an awareness. I, I like to say that I work in radical self awareness. Because your soul is always speaking to you. And as you look, often when I do a workshop, I'll take people into their real lives. You know, like, what were you, what did you play as a child? What role were you in your friends and family? And we start to like look at the patterns and the themes because when you're not trying hard, when you're not thinking about it, when you're really, you know, grounded in a really strong, um, grounded, loving place, it, it naturally flows out of you. It's just that when we get into a situation like sales and other stress and fear, anxieties, um, lack of skill even come up is when we get knocked off a little bit of that natural way of being. Okay. I love that. And I, I know, you know, Lisa and I have had a conversation around this before and she asked me like what kind of things I like to play as a child, which was a fun mental experiment. Um, so <laughs> is that, is that kind of like the first avenue in that you help people to identify which one they are? Well, it depends on, on people's natural, on what self-awareness people have done. So people have done a lot of work to really understand you might've done different archetype programs even, or different trainings where you start to see a little bit more about who you are. So I'll give you an example. I've been told my whole life, no matter what program, no matter what resource or questionnaire I fill out that I have natural leadership abilities. Mm -hmm. And so one of the soul languages is that of the King, which is all about leadership. So it wasn't too surprising when I did my soul language and found out that King was my dominant energy. It was kind of like my whole life, I kind of been told this, whether I wanted to lead or not, I always ended up becoming the leader of, of things or Lisa, why don't you take 
take the reins on this, um, whether I was sort of wanting to or not. Yeah. So let's talk about the, let's talk, let's start with the King energy and talk about what that looks like in a sales setting and also like what that kind of brings to the table. Absolutely. So, um, King energy, as I mentioned, is the natural leader. Doesn't mean that no one else can lead, but usually if someone's in a leadership position, they have some King energy in their soul language. So Kings bring the energy of, um, providing direction. So in a sales situation, kings work really well when they are leading, providing direction, almost pulling and pushing things forward in the conversation. So so let's, yeah, let's talk about like if you were walking into an Apple store, like what would that look like from a salesperson perspective? Yeah. So kings are very directive. Kings would, would probably, first of all, all salespeople asking questions is always good for all salespeople, but a king would give you the direction very assertively. So it's a very assertive. So you say, you walk in and say, you know, I'm looking for, um, I don't, I'm looking for a new computer. And King Energy is like, okay, what are you using the computer for? And what do you want it? Want, what do you want it to do for you? Okay, given what you've just said, and what is your budget? Okay, given what you've said, I think you could start with this model right here. And you know, once your business is up and running, then you could go to this one. You don't actually need the extra power and RAM, given what you've just told me. Like, they literally, it's really directive. Okay, I love yeah, directive and like really diagnostic. It seems. Absolutely. Like it's like kings are very like, oh, you want that? Good. X, Y, and Z. That's that's the direction you take. You think about kings have a always have a plan. Okay. All right. What's next? Share another, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So um let's do um let's do priest energy. So I actually have the approach of the priest. So my my approach is actually assertive and passionate. Um, because priests sell through their passion. They're very um it's like they have, they express their ideas in a really inspired way. But if you walked into an Apple store and you start telling them what you're looking for in the computer, a priest energy would more like, Oh, I absolutely love our new MacBook air. You've got to see this. It's so fabulous. Just, you know, even holding it in your hands, it's just so much lighter. And it's just, you know, like there's this energy and passion towards a choice. Right. Um, so you'll feel that from priests because they have this like, um, enthusiasm and charisma about the way they approach things. Would you say that it would be really hard for this kind of person to sell something that they weren't passionate about? Yes, absolutely. The the dominant axis of energy for a priest is inspiration. They need to be inspired before they act in some ways. And so inspiration is their best place for sure. So it might be hard to sell like a Kirby vacuum if you really want to be selling books or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and you know, some people, as you're listening and you're listening, well, I'm, I'm passionate about what I do. Maybe I've got priest energy. It's not that passion belongs to the priest. It's that the priest uses their passion in their approach to things. So you can be really passionate and be still a scholar energy and you're going to sound very different. Okay. Let's, let's dive into what uh, scholar sounds and looks like. Yeah. So scholars are the, are the true sort of knowledge um, and expertise experts that you will know, you'll recognize if you walked into an Apple store and you started asking about computers that they're more neutral in their, they don't really have an opinion over one or the other. Mm. They're asking you what you need. They'll say, well, you've got two options. There's three options. You can go with this one, this one, or this one. And this is the facts about this one. These are the facts about this one. And these are the facts about that one. 
well, which is the best one? Well, it really depends on what you're looking for or what you want. Like they're not going to be overly passionate about any one or the other. They'll say this one over here is the fastest. This one over here tests out to be the lightest. You know, they, they'll, they'll be more neutral in guiding you and providing that information. That might be hard for somebody that is coming from the place uh, when when being sold to coming from the place where they're like, I just want you to tell me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it depends on your buyer. We haven't even got into buyer archetypes yet. But in general, what gets really uh, powerful from someone who's got scholar energy is you're like, gosh, this guy knows everything. Like they'll, they'll literally be able to say to you, um, it has this much RAM and this much this, which allows you to do X, Y, and Z. Like they can give you so much that you just know that they're an expert. So when somebody walks in and goes, I don't know anything about computers, having someone that has that knowledge and expertise can be very supportive in making That's a choice. So interesting. Okay. I I love this. Um, and I want to put a real quick pin and just say you also help with helping to understand the psychology of the buyer so that people can like basically have a, I think your catchphrase is sales is a conversation, not a presentation. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I want to make one factor here is when I do training, I train people to come from their own approach always. And then we train them on how to identify their buyers so that they can adjust, not their approach, but they can adjust what they say and their understanding of what the person sitting in front of them needs. So as a king, I don't need to turn into a scholar to sell to a scholar. But if I can recognize, scholars are easy to recognize because they're the pro and cons people. They want the, right. all, the, all the data and all the facts and they want to line them up, right? So as a king, I can direct them to the information that allows them to do that. As a priest, I can inspire them or hear, feel the passionate about, um, yeah, you want to compare them. This is so great. We've got these fabulous um, you know, charts that put them side to side for you. Right. So they can get passionate about it, it from that angle, but still be providing what their buyer needs. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's keep going with the yeah. energies because I'm, yeah, I'm let's loving do, this. Okay. Perfect. Let's do, okay. Helpers. Helper energy is really supportive and nurturing. And often um, they're really reserved and kind of calm energy. It's kind of the opposite to the priest in some ways but they're inspired by serving and supporting others. So when somebody is selling you, um, if you're at the Apple store again, this is the person who's gonna say, um, you know, what is it that I can do to help you make this choice? Would it be really helpful if I brought all of the iPads over to this table so you can sit down and look at them all? Like, it's like, you're gonna feel really taken care of. They're almost like gonna get you a glass of water. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a real nurturing energy. Ooh, I love that. I think that's my favorite kind to be, <laughs> my favorite way to be sold to. I'm like, can you pamper me while you're selling to me? <laughs> yeah, they're really customer service driven. It's like, it, and and they uh, the irony is that helpers think they can't sell very well because they're not really outgoing, passionate, or opinionated really. But the question, if you, this energy resonates with you, is how could you support this person in making a decision? Mm. And it feels good for them because, like, oh yeah, I can do that right? How do you sell them? How do you convince them? No. How do you support them? So that will be a trigger for, for people that go, yeah, I love that. And I think we should definitely make the clarification that like when you are trying to convince someone to buy something, it's probably not in the best interest for either of you. Like I <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't approach sales from that lens. Like I always tell people like, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. You get to make the decision for yourself. If you want this, this is what it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's already already revealing a little bit of your uh, <laughs> of your of your approach. But I, let's go to the convincing energy. There's really only one of the seven archetypes that has really powerful convincing energy, and that is that of the warrior. So warriors are can be really motivating. They motivate people to take action, and they can do it with such persistence and consistency that these are kind of archetypical salespeople that you know, do the same thing day after day after day, sell, mm-hmm. sell, sell. Um, and it's powerfully, powerfully convincing from a warrior and more so when the warrior is not trying to convince you. They don't have to, they don't have to try. If they're very grounded in their approach, it just is naturally convincing because they have this energy about them that people feel like they're fighting for you to have the best choice. I'll say that this is the one I'm easily like suckered into. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, they got me. And that was not hard. Yeah. And you know what? It works really well for them. That's my point. It's not that yeah. none of it, so none of the seven archetypes are good or bad. There's not right. about it's not about good or bad. It's about which one is most um aligned to who you naturally are. And are you coming from the positive side of the energy versus the negative side of it? Right. Because I can see how each of them have a flip side of the coin where it's like you're coming at it. Maybe from maybe it's your mindset going in. Maybe it's like a place of scarcity or not feeling confident or whatever. Absolutely. So we're going to leave mindset out of it because in soul language, we have archetypical mindsets and your mindset's not bad. So we don't change your mindset. But let's just but you are speaking to where your energy, which side of your energy you're coming from. So when you are authentically in a place where you are afraid you can't pay your bills, you're not going to be able to pay your rent or your mortgage. Your the, the chance of your energy coming from the negative side is is greater. And this happens in sales a lot because we're afraid of being rejected, we're afraid of not being successful, we're afraid of people pleasing. So a warrior who is naturally um, persistent, right? That's their approach: is persistence and stamina they will come into a place of being a bit fixated. It's like they're, they're stuck on something. So you could go into an Apple store and you're trying to, they're trying to sell you the top model and they get stuck on the fact that they're not stopping until they sell you the top model. And you're like, but, but, but I don't really need much. I only watch Netflix on it, you know, and they're not listening to you anymore. They're fixated on, nope, I have to sell you the high model. So that's yep. where the warrior energy flips, right? If they could just relax into it, they could easily sell you what, they need to sell you. Fascinating. I love it. Okay. These, uh, you know, I looked into what these seven were just for myself. Um, So I'm really curious as to how the sage shows up. Yeah, of course you are. (laughs) Without some sage energy. So sages are the true influencers. Okay. So um, a little bit different than a king. King's very assertive leading. Sages influence through their guidance. And so sages are all about expressing. So a sage will express through sharing stories and experiences and sort of highlighting um, a choice based on that. So um, sages can um, convey or express the sort of the wisest choice for the client, right? So um, 
Yeah. Ask me questions about that. We'll dive deeper. <laughs> well, actually, so what's popping into my head is, um, and, and I love that you said that you think I have this a little bit because I think you're right. So I used to own a, a retail shop and we sold mattresses. And okay. the way pe- the way a lot of people approach the mattress purchasing situation was that they needed to know every single detail inside and outside. And I was constantly put in that scholar role. Like every single day yeah. I was like educating people on the features and the benefits and like this, this, this. <laughs> All I wanted to do was tell them stories of how I had like a toxic experience with a mattress and how I switched. It, that, like literally, Absolutely. I was like, "This, this is all the information you need to know." <laughs> I'm trying to save your life. <laughs> Absolutely, you just landed it. So that is the sage. They're going to influence based on the story of the experience, and then you blend in some of the knowledge. So the sage is the wisdom of the sage is that you take experience and knowledge and natural insight, and they get combined together. So you might also, a sage in that same environment, you might have that story of the toxic mattress and somebody comes in and you know that they're family oriented and they have a dog. And so you're going to say, oh, you have a dog. Okay. I mean, I had this toxic experience and I think, is your dog sleep with you? And you might talk to them about what that would look like if they've got a dog who's always on the mattress, for example, or something, right? Yeah. Okay. I love that. That's, that's fun. Um, and I was not expecting that for the sage. Like I was just expecting it to go someplace different. So I like that. Yeah. Influence. You want to think about sages as influencers, right? So there's a lot we hear influencers. We think of the YouTubers out there, but there's a lot of probably sage energy in some of those YouTubers. They're not actually being really directive with us, but the, the things they're sharing with us are influencing us in some way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when it comes down to it, we're all influencers in some way, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the true inf- influence, um, energy comes mostly from the sage. So you think yeah. about scholars, yes, they influence us by their knowledge, right? Yeah. Sages uh, influence through their expression. You see there are a lot, they, they're often having a microphone, podcasters, performers, they, they influence through their communication. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about the last one, which is the artisans. Also super fascinating and would not expect this in a sales situation. Absolutely. It's the hardest one for me to talk about the approach because it's I have artist energy, but this is not my approach. Artists are also all about expression like sages, but ex- they express more through form than communication. So your artists... Um, and, and often we'll think of like a sculptor or a painter, but the artist is also the inventor and the engineer, if you will. They have to create and they're very innovative. And so if you can think about that, it's almost like you'd walk into the Apple store and you're talking about what you need in a computer. And an artist would be most likely to say, well, I would buy the smaller model, but I would add this add-on and I'd bring in this other add-on. They almost like create a new option that doesn't even exist <laughs> on the menu. Um but their approach to sales is very cautious. So it's kind of very methodical. And this is why it's not mine at all. But um, it's it's literally like they're looking for all of the, the pieces that could go wrong in some ways. What I see, the, the caution for the artist, and that's their approach is caution. Artists are more likely to find and then create objections before they even exist. The artist seems... The art, well, the artist sees everything that's wrong. And of course they do. It belongs to them because they're the ones that innovate new solutions. So they're almost saying no before they can say yes. And in a sales situation, that's the caution for them. That seems like a big advantage actually in a sales situation. So 
<laughs> well, if you're raising objections before your your people can, um, you can you can almost bring a little bit of uh, you can close the sale. You're almost like stopping the potential for the sale. So I always say this: the cautious for the artist. If you have art, if someone out there says, "I feel like I have a lot of artist energy." The best thing you can bring to a sales conversation is, as you're listening and seeing all the pieces, you can bring an innovative solution to mm-hmm. um, the buyer that hadn't even thought of, and they're like, "Oh wow." This person, you know, like I would go in, I'm going in to design my kitchen, for example. I almost want an artist there to say, well, have you thought of this? And all of a sudden there's some whole new option. I like that. They help you like visualize something that was not in existence before. They'll create something completely new. Absolutely. So what kinds of stories have you experienced or things you've seen where people step into their like their their natural inclination their true energy and how that's helped them to like feel more aligned in the sales process and make it smoother for everybody because I imagine it feels more comfortable for the buyer also yeah absolutely <clears throat> well I have a, have a client that um, has dominant sage energy and what, I was doing some training with her and we started to really discern what it would mean for her to give people an experience of her and instead of trying to convince, right? So she was using probably a lot of warrior energy. And when we landed her back in her sage energy, she, she, she closed the, the, she closed a sale on a call and immediately called me and said, uh, she just, she just said, yes, she just bought. And how was that? Well, it felt so easy. It was so natural. I just had this conversation with her and yeah, I gave, you know, had it, it was more of an experience than anything. And so it's that idea of really remembering when you're in your genius. It just feels really good. That's what, that's when I know people have really landed in their own approach. Cause they'll tell me, Oh, it felt really good and easy. I, I wasn't selling. It, it didn't, it wasn't even a sale. I said, you are selling. It's just not how you typically define selling. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I gotta, I gotta pay a little bit more attention to the times when I feel like I'm trying to sell somebody and the times that I just feel like it comes very easy and naturally. Um, I, I definitely would never, like I said, like I'm never trying to persuade anybody of anything. Well, here, here's, um, a, here's a way you can do that. So you start noticing it in situations that are not sales. So people are really right. charged around sales. Most people are charged around sales. They really are. That's a whole nother conversation we can do a podcast on. But it's best to you start recognizing your approach to other things when it feels really good and you're creating buy-in. So people buy in, not just by giving us a credit card, they buy in with their attention, with their time, with their focus, you know? Um, And so I want you to think about other times, maybe you're just having a conversation with your spouse or you're having a a family discussion about where to go on vacation. I I don't care where it is, but you start to, to, to recognize what you bring to that conversation and when you can really be heard and understood. And you're just like, oh, that felt really good. That's where you can start to get little clues as to how can I use that in a sales conversation? That's that's the training that I do. So what you're saying is when I'm making dinner and my husband ends the conversation and you're right, I've done my job. <laughs> then yeah, like then I start- to- yeah, well, we all like to hear that we're right. But it's true. But um, <laughs> once he's bought in, even if he said, you know what, I didn't see it that way, but I totally get that you do. And I, I'm there. Yeah. I'm bought in. I'm bought into what you're you're saying to me. Right. Um, so here, here's another little phrase. You liked my sales as a conversation, not a presentation. When you're in sales, if you are looking for alignment instead of agreement, you will naturally shift your energy. 
So this is about compatibility of what you have to offer versus what someone is wanting. See, now you're speaking my language because I tell people this with their content all the time. I say your content is a bridge between what your people want and between what you have. So I like it. Absolutely. We're just creating bridges and alignment. Perfect. So that works for you because that's your genius and that's when you can feel like you're in it. So here's the little, uh, here's the mic drop. You want the mic drop? <laughs> yes, I'm ready, but don't actually drop the mic. It will I won't, hurt I won't. But here's the mic drop is when I'm working with clients and they say something like you just said, I'm like right there. So take yourself into um, an example. You can probably think back to a specific client where you went into that conversation about the bridge and they got it. And so when you see that with people and their content, I get them to see that it's just a bridge. So now when you're in a sales conversation, you are going to, you are going to Mm. sell them with the bridge. The very same way you use their content to land with other people. You're going to land that same way with the sales conversation. Okay. I like that. I have one this afternoon, so I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, keep that in mind. Now that doesn't land for everyone because they are not, they don't know what that means, but that's for you. That's why this is really customized to your own soul language. Um, when I can know, if I remember how I lead people into their own soul language, and then I just use that same energy on a sales call, I lead them to the fact that my offer is the solution that they're looking for with the, right. same, with the same energy. It's not a, it's not even a convincing energy. It's, it's like I paint the path for them. That's what a King energy does shows the leadership and someone's going to feel like, Oh, I think she can lead me where I need to go. All right. And with you, they're going to be like, wow, I really feel like the work she does is going to influence my success. Um, kind of uh, touching. Okay. So I, I, I know that we talk a lot about this no like, and trust factor prior to the sale. Yes. Um, do you feel that there is a way to use these energies, even with that no like, and trust factor? And also, do you think that the no like, and trust factor is imp- like, do you need that before you head into the sales? I think that you can establish an energy of no like, and trust instantaneous. I don't think you need a big lead up for it. So yes, I believe it's a great strategy for social media and for all your marketing, for everything that you put out in the world to be creating that energy. But even if you get on a call, if you get on a call with someone you've never spoken to and has never really read your stuff, someone just said, you know what, you'll love Emily, get on a call with her. How do you establish no like, and trust is, first of all, you know, like, and trust yourself so that you can anchor your energy in the call and come from that place. People will naturally feel like they know you and trust you when your energy is aligned. If you're all over the place, you're kind of coming out. So that day in the mattress store, when you're trying to be the scholar, people don't even know why they don't really trust you. But it's partly because they're picking up the energy underneath it of you just wanting to share your story about the toxic mattress. So the second you switch into coming from that place, people like it better. Even if they went there looking for information, coming from you, it's going to feel better to hear the story than you forcing yourself into the scholarly-like role. If I'm I like that. And like, this is such a better way to dis- define the word authentic, right? Because like that word is tossed around left and right, but this is what it really is. Like, this is what it really looks like and presents how it presents itself. Well, and here's, I want to replace authentic. So authentic, I, I get tweaked by that 
I get triggered by that word a little bit because I do think it's thrown around loosely and not really appreciated for what it really means. But in soul language, here's the thing. If you are radically aware of your energy from all angles, the positive and the negative sides of the energy, um, you're authentically coming from your own energy, but it's more important that you're radically aware of when it's serving you to be in one side of the energy versus the other. And and I'm going to give you an example. Priest energy is naturally really passionate in the approach. When they are in that fear place and they become obsessive and fanatical, it's more important that they, they're they aware of that. It's good feedback. It's like, wow, I'm really coming across as a fanatic right now and it's not serving. See, that's still authentic. So someone who just says be authentic, well, it's actually pretty authentic for a priest to go into that obsessive place. It's just not very effective because they're, the, the plus pull of that energy is charismatic and persuasive in from, from that energy. So the awareness is more important than even, it's like a deeper level of authenticity of that. Yeah. When you said that, I was thinking like, well, I'm authentically anxious sometimes, (laughs) but I don't want to show up as authentically anxious. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. So that's when it's just like you use the anxiety. I'm authentically impatient, right? But impatience, so impatience can be intolerant, right? That's when it's on the negative side, it's just intolerant. It's like, I don't got time for that. But if I can recognize my impatience and say, impatience also creates my audacious nature. Like I had, you know, the audacity to think that I can have my big dreams, the audacity to go after it today and not wait till tomorrow. Impatience creates that as well. It's just which side of the energy is going to serve me to be in? (laughs) Can I recognize I'm impatient today and it's not from a good place. I'm legitimately intolerant right now. Feedback. All right, Lisa, why? What's the fear? What's what, what's underneath that? All right. Are you ready for my quick wrap-up questions? Absolutely. Throw them my way. Okay. <laughs> um, what is something that comes easy, easily to you but seems to be very hard for everybody else? I would say I'm really quick at adapting on the fly. Like I shift thing, I shift my thoughts and I get to the end goal really fast in my mind, which is good and bad. I, I need to surround myself with slower thinkers because they pick up all the stuff I miss in my quickness. I mean, honestly, that's a superpower. So I think that, <laughs> yeah, 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 balance is great, but I, I think that's a, a super skill. Um, <laughs> what is something that's hard for you, but seems easy for most other people? Um, patience. <laughs> I, I do say when God was handing out patience, I didn't want to wait in line. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> uh, okay, what book are you reading right now? I, I don't know if I should be, uh, it's my guilty pleasure, but I'm reading the Bridgerton series. <laughs> um, okay, all, all guilty pleasures are welcome here. Absolutely. You know what, I, I need to detach from, and I think entrepreneurs and general business owners can recognize that we need the off switch, right? To stop thinking always about our own growth and our business. And I just like to sometimes escape into a different world. And right now it's the Bridgerton world. Honestly, last night, so I'm reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and I'm loving it. Mm. But last night I was laying in bed trying to read it. And I was like, my body was like, take notes, take notes, take notes, take notes. <laughs> right. And so I, I totally hear you. I just read uh, Otessa. I'm going to mess up her last name, but Otessa Moshfeg or something like that. Uh, my Year of Rest and Relaxation. Mm. Totally just a pleasure read. And it was so great. Like we do need that. So I, I like to have two books going at one time, yeah. one for just like laying in bed and reading and not taking notes 
and then one that I'm I'm really like diving into and pouring into. So yeah, love that. All right, what's this is a fun one for you. Uh, what's the first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> well, I think all the fur baby mamas out there can appreciate my dog. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I saw pictures of your dog. He, she. Yeah, he, he's only a year he's old. So cute. Yeah, he's a year old and he's my furry alarm clock. So it's hard not to be thinking about him when I open my eyes and he's looking at me and whimpering, right? <laughs> cute. Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. good one. But he also like guides me into my day because I start thinking about, okay, what route are we going to walk? So in terms of my agenda that I can get back in time to do what I need to do. <laughs> and um, why don't you tell everyone how to find and connect with you online and, and like anything, like what the next step is basically, like we want the next action step to get more of this and to interact with you directly on what our own soul language is. Absolutely. I'm all about radical self-awareness. So I think the next step for anyone is to start noticing because again, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you your soul language. And when I work with people, I'm actually activating it for them. Um, before, if you're before diving into fully your own soul language, start noticing it, start recognizing when you're naturally enrolling um, that is your best approach for sales is when you go into that naturally enrolling place. Um, so let's just start noticing it. And then for anyone who's really like, uh, I, I've got a lot of questions and a lot of curiosity and I want to know more. You can connect with me, um, lisadad.com and dad is spelled D-A-double-D, uh, or you can, um, look me up on LinkedIn. Awesome. And I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes. And I so appreciate you joining me, Lisa. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Emily, for having me. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.